The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. I'm Brett McKay. The more subdued second week of the Rugby World Cup is behind us. The pool tables are now taking shape and your place for the biggest and best Rugby World Cup discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Uh, wonderful to have Sarah Nagama back on the pod last week. A very good player in her own right, but now becoming an excellent pundit as part of the Stan Sport and the Nine Network coverage of Rugby World Cup 2023 as well. And speaking of Stan Sport, joining me this and every week, the man seen, as seen, lingering in the background of Rugby Heaven last week, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you going? How's it, Brett? I'm in the ruins. I'm in the, yeah, I was I'm in bring the that actual up. ruins, of Roman ruins in Luchtonum, yeah. which is where the Gauls had their capital and resisted Roman rule. It's um, a fitting place for me to be with how Eddie Jones has resisted all rugby <laughs> doctrines, uh, all sense, all logic, and thought that the most important thing was to put Suli Vunavalu uh, ben Donaldson, Mariko Korobeti in a kicking duel uh, mm. to save his skin in the World Cup. Mm. With he three minutes that, to go. Those were the best three game managers that he could find in Australia. Um, yeah. And uh, Carter Gordon hooked. So, yeah, this is sort of uh, the rise and fall of empires. I'm sitting here thinking, is is Eddie the Romans or is he the Gauls? Is Warren Gatlin <laughs> a Caesar or is he the wild barbaric uh you know flesh-eating guy so who who which co which old man is uh is uh, is best presented mm-hmm. to to take this uh so I'm, i good cannot questions. wait for this weekend this weekend's good questions yeah unbelievable good questions you are making it very difficult for me to pod with you every week you have come to me from a pool you're now coming to me from ancient ruins and i am still in my bloody office in canberra Oh, but I haven't done it from a brothel yet, so I mean, come on, oh, mate. We're in we're, we're in week three. Tender mercies. <laughs> uh, powered by Asics, uh, the Raw has in place a wonderful partnership with Asics, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier of the Wallabies uh, and the wonderful Wallabies 2023 Rugby World Cup playing jersey. And the whole training ensemble is available for purchase in store and online at asics.com.au. Now, heroes and zeros, mate. Uh, I've got a I've got a wonderful hero for you this week. Uh, New Zealand beat Namibia last weekend, uh, Friday night last week, and the hero of the weekend, very early in the weekend, was legendary former Namibian flanker Jacques Berger, watching on from home, who minutes after full time when New New Zealand beat Namibia by 70, tweeted, and I quote, ref cost us that one. (laughs) (laughs) i love it it was like within minutes of full time it was that made me laugh a lot it made me laugh again i I love that one what have you got for me zero wise i'm an early candidate for zero is you right now for where you're coming to me from yeah that's true um you know as you know i've tried not to make referees famous this year or more famous than Mm -hmm. they are so we avoid their names so but i'm gonna have my my two zeros are both referees one is a certain referee that's uh usually said is the best referee in the world and he had an early chance to ins- insist on the shot clock the kick clock being a real thing johnny sexton lined up in a sort of a nothing game um that you know was never going to come down to the crunch and so it was an early penalty clock goes to 62 the entire stadium knows it because they're actually counting down mm-hmm. and uh wayne barnes allows the, the conversion to go through Fearing, I suppose, that he would be called an effing disgrace. But um, that would have been the one moment <laughs> by, to do it. By Johnny Sexton, yeah. Right, because then the yeah. rest of the tournament, then you wouldn't have had to do anything, any insistence. Because that one moment, if he said, no, sorry, Johnny, you don't get to take it, would have mm. been brilliant. Tonga was apoplectic. Uh, uh, the captain approached him. Wayne Barnes appeared to say, yeah, I got that wrong. And then for the rest of the game, was really strict. But that was the moment to do it. Second yeah. one was... Um, in the the law firm between uh, Romania and South Africa, when uh, your favorite referee, who has always been a very time conscious man, Matir Renal, the serum, don't waste any time on my pitch. We so, we play, uh, we play. Yeah, some some clown in the upper reaches throws an airplane, a paper airplane, onto the field, and it wafts gently down onto the sodden pitch. 
just missing Spotters LaRue, goes over Vili's shoulder. Vili picks it up and runs to the head officiant of the, of the, the scene, uh, Mathieu Renounce, and hands the paper airplane to him, I guess, because that's what you do in uh, World Regulation Law 47.7. And Mathieu Renal gathers the paper airplane and then tries to throw it into the crowd and fails and is booed <laughs> mercilessly by neutral <laughs> and fan alike. It was beautiful. How far infield was he when he tried to throw it over the over the sideline? What, two meters. Oh right, and still, uh, no wonder he's booed. It it knows it knows Dove immediately. <laughs> boom, <laughs> and then a, a medic had to come get it for him. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! That's brilliant! I love it. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, we have got another very timely guest on the pod this week with the Wallabies' attention, whether they're ready for it or not, now fully turning towards Wales in Lyon on Sunday. And that gives us a chance for another return guest. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To the pod's brand new studios in Marseille we go, where we welcome back onto the pod Welsh rugby journalist and the editor of Rugby Pass, Owen Jones. We oui, monsieur. Uh, bonjour, bonjour, ça va bien? bien Wonderful bien, to have you back. <laughs> If you two We're, are going to go to French for me, I'm going to have a problem here. Uh, well, you know, I can I can try an accent. But no, I'm um, sitting about 100 metres from a huge ferry that's taking off to Corsica, um, which is where I'd probably disappear if uh, Wales uh, blow it against uh, Australia and kind of find myself <laughs> in a... In a small small cave, but um, yes, heading over to Lyon on Thursday, um, where we'd like to have held hands, as uh, Aussies and, and Welsh. We, you know, mm. if, if I if the Fiji had been skittled on Sunday, it could have been a, a friendly gesture for first or second. But sadly, yes. now we can't be friends. Could have been very processional, couldn't it? Yeah, could, could have been, been very yeah. cordial. Yeah, could have are been cordial. you? I, have you enjoyed the first few weeks of the tournament so far? Yeah, I have. I have. Uh, clearly, we've got these Mondays and Tuesdays kind of elongating the competition for kind of mm. player welfare reasons. We know that um, the Namibias and Romanias were probably, you know, behind the curve, you know, being ready for this competition. But, you know, the likes of Portugal and Uruguay, I think everybody's spirited or their spirits have been lifted yeah. by how competitive they've been. I know there's been a lot of investments gone in behind the scenes. You know, nobody wants to see the kind of 145-19 scores no. New Zealand against uh, Japan. So that's been a. If we're looking at bigger, if you're asking me a bigger question or an existential question about the World Cup, that's been generally pleasing. And uh, sadly for Australia, first time since 1954, mm. uh, a in inverted commas tier two nation um, has has got a famous <laughs> win. But having watched. Uh, Wales against Fiji in Bordeaux. It's that classic kind of sporting cliche. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the nose. Yes. When you see those Fijian boys slamming into contact, you just fear for your life, don't you? They are yeah. unbelievable. So it's all well and good having, you know, these fans and for or for fans to be sitting in their on their sofas with a a, a beard resting on their on their on their large bellies and and some pasties. But you try getting in front of Josie Tuas over. And then God start kind of no. shouting the odds. Whoa. Yeah. No, so thank you. So it's been good. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth, yeah, fourth, right. fourth French city in um, about 10 days on in Lyon on Thursday. Yeah. Great. Great. We, we're still asking the same question to kick things off as we did last time we spoke to you last year. That's to simply ask you what stood out for you on the weekend. What did you, what did you see that really floated your boat last week on this weekend? Just gone. So in, out of all the games? Yeah. Out of everything. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, again, I went, I was in person there for Wales, Portugal. Again, just a quick skip on that. It was that Wales, I think, wanted to keep Portugal on their feet. I think the assumption, you know, maybe foolhardy was that they tire Portugal out. Um, mm. I think the ball and play time was over 20 minutes. Warren Gatlin said, so I think they really thought they'd pull away. Uh, but again, I think there were over 21 handling errors. It, it is. Yeah, Again, right. once you sit there in the stadium, I think there's a piece earlier in the, in, in the Telegraph of, of London um, saying, that, you know, Nice especially is very humid there. And the ball, it's like a ball of soap. And, and again, I, I think a lot of people sitting there watching the rain coming down in the UK, I don't know what the weather's like over in Australia, would think, guys, they're professional players. Why can't they catch a ball? But, you know, you're literally 
your hands and everything sweating mm. <laughs> in the Alliance Arena. So that's so when it starts to cool down and, and games are played up north. But that yeah, so really Wales didn't you know put kick on and that, mm. and that gave Portugal hope. So that was and again it was a similar story for England against Japan. You know both sides got their bonus point literally after the buzzard had gone to to, to great relief. Um, but they didn't kind of blow away um, the, the, the tier two opposition. Yeah. And, and Japan aren't the side they were maybe in 2015 and, and certainly no. 2019. Um, but yeah, they, those are the kind of two games I kind of concentrated on as kind of in, in transit for kind of yeah. when other games are kind of going on. But um, yeah, obviously, and I watched Australia, Fiji. Of course, and which we will get to very shortly. Harry, there's actually been, uh, I saw an article written in one of the British papers, and I can't remember which one it was, that actually looks like it's gone into a little bit of depth about the Gilbert in use for World for Rugby World Cup, which you very generously mm. agreed to send me one. Thank you in advance. <laughs> um, and that that suggesting that because it has been so hot and sweaty and slippery that the that this particular Gilbert has actually been a bit of a problem this year, maybe. I mean, I, I, at the parks, and I've been at three matches now, it's obvious that the the ball boys are having a hard time getting it uh, to have any friction. I actually su- would suggest I need more towels. It's more of a towel issue than a yeah, ball issue. Exactly. It's a, some Same boy has the same towel all match, and the, the hookers are getting really frustrated. Yeah. Like, give me a, give me a saw, clean towel. <laughs> I saw Wayne, Wayne Barnes at one point had to uh, – I can't think which game it was he was doing. Oh, it was obviously that, that Ireland game, um, and he – only a few minutes in, actually walked over to the sideline and said to the ball kids, can we just make sure that we've got a ball ready, please? <laughs> like, yeah, and actually okay. there were several times when the ball wasn't ready. Ronan yeah. Kelleher actually was using his own jersey to dry the ball. It was better. Yeah, right. um, it was better. Uh, for what stood out for me what's on the pitch and off, off the pitch, uh, off the pitch, it's the spirit with which rugby is attended and the, the way that rival fans mix and mingle with neutrals. So many neutrals in Nantes uh, and in Bordeaux, where had adopted a team, uh, there was a huge section behind me, and I thought, "Oh, Safa guys!" And I was like, "Who handed my boot?" And then they're like, "None of them spoke uh, anything remotely close to that." They were French people, and they had a- adopted the yeah, Springboks. Right. They had they had the, the national flags. Their children had learned the songs. They played this. They sang the national anthem in a very French accent. Um, that was interesting, and not much covered. I also thought that. Uh, you know, I, I snapped, a, I did a video of some Irish lads on the piss and it went up, <laughs> it ended up getting truly viral, 1.7 million. Yeah. And like Irish Crazy morning talk. shows calling me now to find these guys. But, mm. um, you know, along with those lads, there was fathers and sons. And uh, I met a father and son who recognized me and Neil and his son had come to watch the game. And they, the spirit with which they watched it together, it was so joyful. The Romanian guy I met with his son who had come all the way to watch Romania get crushed. And they knew that. And he said, yeah. but, you know, I, I wanted to teach my son today that to, to be good, to be very good at anything, medicine to rugby life, you've got to play against the best. I thought that was yeah. just a beautiful rugby. So cool. On the pitch, you- I would say uh, the, the thing that really stood out for me was mm-hmm. that Fiji is not being judged by the old stereotypes and tropes that are tired. And This tenny. is exactly where I was it's going. Proper effing rugby team that knows yeah. how to, when, when to kick, how to kick. Um, five for five off the tee, took their points. Uh, set piece was marvelous. Understood the situational awareness was better than Australia's. They were um, – Tonga was what Fiji used to be. And yeah. so now the Fiji has gone to the next level. And I think we should stop using that it's just physical uh, prowess. Yes. Now it's – they are thinking their way through a match. I was I was going to make exactly this point, that, that Fiji of 2023 – are not Fiji of 1999 and of 2003 who come together once every four years and they have a couple of weeks together in camp and they play sevens rugby with eight bloke, extra blokes on the field. And, and, and oh, and they are a, they are a genuinely world-class team now. They are a very, very good rugby outfit. Yeah, and I think that they're clearly the kind of, um, you know, putting together the kind of Fiji Dua franchise. Um, Mark it's, it's Evans been huge. is, is yeah. over there. And I think really, you know, I, was, I, I, I did some, uh, an article with World Rugby's um, head of high performance and, and really their idea to, to lift Fiji and indeed other emerging nations is not really to have 30 talented individuals being flown in for a few weeks preparation, but it is to yeah. 
build the kind of coaches back there to, and to have guys on the ground who are getting to know it, how each other plays, you know, rather than 30 yeah. individuals playing it, you know, better than some of their parts. And that is starting to come to fruition. And again, there are a few more naturally talented or, or, mm. or well physically put together uh, um, individuals than Fijians and, and yeah. they are showing it. But again, they're using their noddle and Simon Rawalui, you know, needs to take credit. You know, he, yes. he's, he's only had none nine months with them as Eddie Jones, Warren Gatland, Steve Borthwick. And so he's almost disproven the fact that you can't mm. pull together a, um, a coherent team or cohesive team in that short time. But frame. he's been, you, you mentioned cohesion there. He's been very smart. Simon Rabalui, he's he's got like half his squad played for the draw in, in Super Rugby, but he's got at least two, maybe three of the Drua assistant coaches sitting next to him as well. So it's uniformity of message for 12 months of the year for a lot of these guys. And the fly-in, fly-out guys, if we can call the European professionals that, yeah. um, they are slotting in so well. And the really exciting part about Fiji's development um, – will be to watch Uruguay and, uh, you know, Brazilian rugby in a couple of years' time because the same sort of program that brought the Fijian and Drua to life uh, back in the Australian NRC years ago is now funding Super Rugby Americas in, in South America. And, and Harry, you've seen a, a, a fair bit of, of that. That's The South American movement could be huge in the next few years. Yeah, and they, and they have a lot of the ball players you need as well. You know, if, yeah. you, if you think of like a Lavani Bottier as sort of the quintessential, if you had to play 15 Bottiers against every other kind of 15 players, the Bottier would win. Um, South America is a kind of a different approach where you have a lot of really good footballers, a lot of good wings, a lot of good back three players. Uh, the nines and tens are really sharp. Uh, and so they, you know, they, they were more looking for the big bodies up front. Yeah. I think that that sets up a beautiful um, clash of styles, which you, what I think world rugby wants. And, and clearly world rugby does want a closer World Cup where all 48 matches are within, whatever, yeah. 20 points. Uh, and that's interesting because you look at Ireland versus South Africa this week, what you have is two very different styles. And I think that's what rugby fans love to see. Absolutely. So I'd love to see... Let's say Chile and um, Samoa go head to head a lot more because that's not a terrible. Uh... Oh, what have you done? <laughs> oh, you have the, the ruins have they've interrupted with your mobile reception. <laughs> he's, he's frozen in time. Yeah, it's like, it's like Pompeii. Harry Jones <laughs> stuck, <laughs> stuck in oh, time. Oh, the irony! This is karma coming back to get you, Harry Jones. The Rugby World Cup on the Roar. Harry, we've, we've, we've got you back. Uh, Karma has got you properly. You are in a wonderful setting, but the reception, as it turns out, in Ancient Ruins isn't very good. Yeah, it, it turns out the Romans were very good at delivering toilets for the amphitheatres and such, but they did not have the best Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I'm I've sort just, of I'm, I'm higher above the Leon I'm, now. <laughs> I'm just you so see you've gone higher up in the ruins is what you've done. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just writing down Roman Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in Leon. Pop a possible uh, possible pod uh, pod pod title. Uh, oh, and Wales were pretty comfortable against Portugal on Saturday night, obviously, um, and that would have been a welcome feeling for them having escaped. Fiji the week before. What's the feeling been like back in in Wales, back at home? What's the confidence confidence levels going into this week against Australia? I think for those of you who aren't following Wales as closely until these next few days when the Wallabies face them, they did mm -hmm. make thirteen changes for that uh, game against true, true. Portugal. They did they they did a France, and clearly we saw against uh, Uruguay that you know France made tough work of it again. I can't remember that many occasions when you make 13 changes side and have a beautifully fluid kind of running games, scoring champagne rugby should your tries. It just kind of doesn't happen. And especially as we've alluded to about the conditions down in Nice, it was very clunky and it was pretty. They had a period in the second half, maybe kind of minutes 40 to 60, 65, <laughs> where it was, it was very average. You know, I think it was 14 3. 
half time. Um, I think I think when they went up to twenty one three, then Portugal scored a try, and and it and I think this got a, a disallowed try after seventy four minutes because of crossing. I think Thomas Francis, the big one hundred and thirty kg tight, got got in the way of a of Super Louis Rissamit kind of you know, flicking right. the ball out to Gareth Davis. Yeah, and and that that I think for most fans, Welsh fans thought, you know, at last the bonus <laughs> point in the pocket. When it was disallowed, it was something like, "Oh my lord, we need every <laughs> point we can get." And so for, and I think I wrote earlier this week that if there's a, a petition to kind of uh, erect a statue of, of Talupi Falatau in Wales, uh, I'd sign it because he is that important to Wales. <clears> he's, <throat> yeah. he's so quiet. I don't know what the kind of Wallaby equivalent would be. He's now, I think, has 100, 101 caps. Mm. You know, he's had three Lions tours. He doesn't say much. You know, he's married to uh, the sister-in-law of, um, of uh, Welsh superstar Gareth Bale, which I don't know if everybody knows. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, that, no. no, he's just—he's just such a laid-back fella. But what you know, what a what a player. What a he's, player. So he saved the save Wales's bacon again. He strikes me very much like Todd Ikefu. He yeah. just used to get the job Amen. done, yeah. and yeah, the whole the whole build up for Wales has been, or oh, up and down is probably the way to describe it. So, how are they tracking now after a couple of, yeah, real good, really good points earning games? Well, I think you just if we just rewind, um, you know, to the kind of Six Nations, it was fairly average. It was almost mm. only the final game against France that. Wales started playing a really natural offloading game. They actually played pretty well. They lost the front, a very, very good French side. But, you know, the thing with Warren Gatland, and look, we could say it was Eddie Jones, is this is his fifth World Cup. This is his fourth yeah. with Wales. And he it's took incredible. Ireland there in 99. And I think he's kind of incubated that Welsh squad from all the issues that surround Welsh rugby. You know, you look at Lee Halfpenny, okay? Test Centurion. What's next yeah. to his name? Unattached. You know, Thomas yeah. Francis, 71 caps, going down to Provence and the Pro de Deux. You know, it is, we can't get away from the fact that it's still pretty chaotic uh, within yeah. Welsh rugby. But what, what Gats <coughs> is good at doing is basically saying, is trying to protect them from all that. So he's had mm. kind of three, four months getting them together. You know, he's, he's beasted them up in the, in the Alps in Switzerland. He's taken them down to hot weather training in Italia. In, in Turkey, he's done it before. Some of the more experienced guys know what's coming. So he's licked them into good shape. And it's that, yeah. that old, that other kind of classic that telling them they are the fittest side of the World Cup. Where and I think Sir Clive Woodward did it with England in 2003. Mm. If you keep telling them it, some of them will start saying, you know, you know what we are. And, and I thought mm. they played pretty well against Fiji largely. I think um, it was only really when Dan Bigger went off, who was a proper general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we'll probably talk about later. That you know, they, they, a little bit of inexperience started showing, and they started getting the jitters. But um, yeah, if you scratch the Portugal game, which you can't really scratch it, but they're better shape than they've been for for a wee while. Yeah. But I wouldn't say they're going into the Australia game thinking we're going to thrash these yeah. useless Wallabies. I really don't <laughs> think that. I think yeah, it's, there's they're 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 concerned because for the Wallabies, you know, it would look like they're an absolute desperation mode and. Strange things that can happen when you're when you're your back's against the wall, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. You, you've you've watched them fairly closely through the Six Nations as well, Harry. They they look they do like look, look like they're a different side now to what they were back then. Yeah, Wells is um is a is a team that can bring you down to its level, and I say that with uh, ultimate respect. Uh, yeah. I love actually, I love someone like in a tennis player. I love someone who can bring you know, someone down to that level by being just a human backboard like Andy Murray. I, I like that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it, it brings results. I would say that Warren Gatlin is credible. I think credibility is the word I think of when I think of Warren Gatlin. And I think his team is therefore credible. They, they are a credible um, candidate to go all the way to the semis with having no form going into it. On the other hand, mm-hmm. Eddie is almost picking players that he wished he was, you know, taller, fitter, stronger, younger. It's like, why do you want to go youth, Eddie, and then, and then the coach is so old? So, um, you know, like, mm. for me, Warren, he picks more credibly. Like, I, I want experience, and experience is a bad thing for Warren Batland, Gatland. And then if he picks a Jack 
uh, Morgan to be captain, it's because he's an old soul. And so yeah, the team yeah. plays, even the young guys play old. Um, I look at Will Rollins and I thought, Will Rollins was young. No, he's not young. He's actually quite old. He's just kind of a late bloomer. Uh, so maybe he picks you today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he picks, he picks, he picks uh, late bloomers. And so I think there's something about Warren Gatlin's philosophy that is coherent and credible. I think uh, Eddie, you know, I think he just peaked and now he's flailing around with gimmicks. And so I think this is a classic case of, you know, whose preparation was better. And when I hear Owain talking about what Wales did, I kind of get a little bit scared for the Wallabies. I'm worried about it. Um, now, that being said, I think Australia is the kind of team that kind of bothers uh, uh, Wales, which is strange, yeah. right? So now I'm yeah. not arguing myself, but, but I can see that Australia does, does things that are so strange that maybe the Welsh are like, why were you doing that? Like, why yeah. in the hell would you do that? And so I think there is that kind of classic puncher versus boxer. Yeah, it's, it's, and you're right. There is, and there has been for 10 or 15 years, it doesn't seem to matter what sort of form they've been go- been in going on a spring tour particularly. Um, the Wallabies have just always seemed to have something saved up for Wales, Owen, isn't it? And for a long time, Wales just could not beat Australia. No, what's that? Kelly Beale is obviously not, not playing. I think he was a thorn in. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's yeah, true. No reasons, but, um, you know, there was, there was a couple of, they were like two, three pointers, wasn't there? Around that kind of 2011, yeah. 12, 13 period. Really tight games. And look, Wales should have beaten Wallabies comfortably back in November when obviously Wayne Pivak lost his job. I think what they're about 17, 18 points up and it completely nutly, you know, fell fell to pieces. Um I suppose with the Welsh public, and it could, you know, work the same way for the the, the Australian public, because you know, when you drop Michael Hooper and and Quade Cooper, you start, you know, again you look at the Campos and the John Eels and you know all these you know, David Pops, all these superheroes. You walk down the street in Wales and ask them to name five Wallaby players of this World Cup. I think most of them would struggle. Seven, yeah. Trevi, Marika Corobetti, they would... Re- and again, I mean, look, that's a, an argument for another day is to kind of get, get... Let's get one channel where we can watch rugby from all around the world. Um, they, 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 they genuinely yeah. would struggle. So I think there'll be a lot of Welsh fans and even media doing, doing a lot of research on, on the Wallaby side that's going to be kind of Lining up, obviously, we know Will Skelton. We were not all about him because he yeah. plays, obviously, La Rochelle. And Tania Tupo. you know, I don't think it's a ruse by Eddie. I think they, they, they it would be a huge surprise if they suddenly turned up on the team sheet, right? He said, he said yeah. they ruled out. Is, he, is that Eddie's say games? Well, no. I think when he says in a press conference a week before that they, they won't play, I, I don't think they were ever, ever going to play against Wales. So I think they're definitely out. Yeah, so so you you know you looked at I mean again I and again from a layman don't, I don't know the Wallabies as well as you but you know they just you know look at look at Wales where when Dan Bigger's gone off the pitch you know that experience you know it's it's look we all love to see these great um, guys or youngsters coming through but you've got to have that smattering of appearance and for Wales yeah. they're likely to have Liam Williams over eighty caps you know at full back George I, North hundred I counted caps. it. I counted yeah. it up last week. Uh, I counted it up, sorry, for, for my column this week. Yeah. The, the team that played Fiji had 1,006 caps or something like that going into that game. Yeah, It's, hey, it's and incredible. They, uh, and Alan Wynne-Jones retired because <laughs> it would have been a lot more. Exactly, and just, yeah. And Justin Tipperick and Reese Webb. And again, that's that's yeah. that's what Gats has kind of said, is he's really trying to bring in this. And again, I know it's been talked about a lot with Eddie and kind of building for 2027. And now a lot of coaches would go, Let's start after the 2023 World Cup. <laughs> he's got he's gone early. He's the youngest squad at the World Cup. But I, just to kind of for, for your kind of listeners, go on. Yeah. Oh, Owen. Oh, so the 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 downside of experience is always uh, physical frailties or fragilities or the difficulty of recovering. Is there anyone in the Welsh squad that you look at and wonder, oh, do we hang on too long? You know, a George North or a, someone else. Well, George Moore's amazing. He's still 31. I think most people would put him at about 43. Uh, it's, yeah. it's incredible how long he's been, he's been around. I think I think um, Dan Lydiat, uh, the old Welsh warrior, is 35. Uh, I think, you know, he's been an incredible servant to us. Look, he may get a call-up. I'd be surprised. I think he, you know, he's 
he's he's put himself on the line for Wales so many times. And Lee Halfpenny, they're probably the two guys, the two yeah. senior guys in the squad that I don't think will feature in that 23. But I was just going to say earlier that as much as he's got that spine of experience, you know, he's got guys like, you know, Jack Morgan's 23, you know, Tommy Riffle's yeah. 24, Derry Lake's kind of 20, 24, you know, right, Release through Summit. He's 22. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's been around a little bit of time. You know, Mason Grade is a young um, guy. He's 21, huge centre. Christ Shunza, yeah. uh, David Jenkins. There is a spine there that he's bringing through for 2027. In four years' time, Wales probably will have, a, I would say, a better side than they have in 2023. There is mm-hmm. about seven or eight players that, and again, and I think we think Australia should be. Australia have to be in that position, guys. They, they're hosting a World Cup. They've got a Lions yeah. tour before that. Yeah, it's no, it's you know they have and, to get it right for 2027. Is that that's that's me looking outside looking? No, it's you're spot on. Right. And they and they they have to get it right for 2027, Owen, because yeah. Yeah. they abandoned their plan for 2023 two weeks out yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to change for 2027. So they've absolutely got it got it right. We will absolutely get into um, previewing this game um, in, in just a minute. But I did want to ask you, um, before we moved on completely, what have you made of the other contenders so far? And obviously that's South Africa, it's France, it's Ireland, you know, New Zealand are in a funny sort of position. But but what have you made of of those, those top teams on the other side of the draw? I think France will be so, so glad to have got that win over New Zealand because, again, yeah. they didn't play brilliantly. Because it settles the nerves. Because you get that. I think didn't they lose to Argentina in two thousand seven on the opening night, and it just set them off. And when I mean, they I think they went out in the semis to to England, but it it, it just it just is a different feeling around France. I mean, President Macron didn't get the best reception. I don't know if you picked that up. <laughs> I did there's, say that. There's, there's plenty going on off the field, but certainly Les Bleus and look, I've been in the Stade de France or the Parc de Prince before that enough times to know that the French can turn on their own. But when you get Kylian Mbappe and some of these French football superstars, they attach themselves to winners. So I think there is, at the moment, there is a different feeling. Again, Fabien Galtier has brought a pragmatism, again, which is kind of a dirty word in England at the moment because they're playing not that exciting in rugby. But in France, there's an acceptance that they want to play winning rugby as well. I mean, we were all distraught that Roman Antomac, that hugely handsome yeah. uh, 10, you know, runs it out from behind the post, was missing. But, you know... Um, you know, they've, they've got plenty of kind of guys who can kind of turn on. So, I mean, France would have just be glad to get those two games out of the way. Uh, Ireland, we had a beautiful piece written by Graham Simmons yesterday. He kind of said they're, he says they're more Mozart than Beethoven. You know, they play in beautiful patterns. <laughs> oh, wow. Behind, behind the, <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a wordsmith, all right? Yeah. Um, but behind the scrum, they play in a way that, you know, the Welsh back line, and you could say one of your back line, England back line, could just, they're just, wow, how do you, how do you make everything kind of come together and look so, so easy? Uh, and again, you know, it could be verging into the stereotypes that I think with Ireland, you worry if Johnny Sexton goes down or Ty Furlong, maybe even uh, Peter Romani or Caelan Doris. I mean, so, you know, the elephant in the room here is a rather large elephant and it's the Springboks. And I watched them against the All Blacks at Twickenham. And I was pretty blown away by them. And I'd say, for me, you know, the Springboks, you know, although they've just lost Malcolm Marks, which is a big, big blow, but yeah. it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a swapsies cards and, and Handley Pollard's kind of come in. So it's not, you know, they're, they're swapping one World Cup winner with another. <laughs> yeah, just, just bought in a little-known hooker named Andre Pollard. Yeah, well, he, he, played, he, played, he played hooker at school, guys, when he was eight. Yeah. I just want to point that out. But did he? Yeah, right <laughs> Well, right. What well, well, Jake, Jake White did say, I, did, I said, um, I took a column with, with Jake White, and about seven or eight days ago, he said, well, you know, six days ago, he said, get Pollard in. If he, if he can only come in as a hooker, get him in as a hooker. But whatever it takes. Harry's uh, Harry's been Harry's been referring to uh, to Andre Pollard in our chat our international chat group. He's been referring to him as Box Thirty Three A for six weeks now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he's, he's he's on something, isn't he? And I think was is he uh, interesting because Razzy said they're not going to risk him for the island guys, and they know he's got, not got much rugby yeah. in his legs, and they're mm. they're kind of saving him. But yeah, you think they're? I mean, again, we're all we've all almost discounted the the All Blacks. It, it would be a it would be a surprise if they won and won it this time. Mm, but they're there. They're there and they're thereabouts and that and that and that makes them dangerous. Rugby 
on the Raw. I want to mention before that there is just always something in Wales and Australia games. How does Wales feel like they match up with the Wallabies this time around? Well, as you've alluded, the the experience gulf is is, is enormous. Yeah. Um, I think they're a little bit concerned about the Wallaby line-out. I think yeah. Dewey Lake, and again, it's a toss-up here with whether Ryan Elias, who's had his own problems with his darts, as we say, will start or, or Derry Lake. Derry Lake is a is a monster. He is a real. You look at you look at him. He is a, a, a an athlete. You know he's mm. fantastic in the loose. Uh, but he's a converted back bro, and there's just been you know he's still pretty young. There's been a few concerns about his accuracy. But I think Rory Arnold, Nick Frost, isn't it? They they went well. Probably, they, yeah. They, they stayed well. Probably exactly. Yeah. Uh, they they spot the the Fiji line out. So I think there'd be a bit of bit of a concern there. Um, again, Carter Gordon could go on and have the game of his life. Uh, mm. He needs he needs to kind of arm round him. He hasn't shown it yet. As in, you know, if he's going to outboss Dan Bigger, he's going he's going some, oh, isn't he? Absolutely, um, absolutely. That'd yeah. be really well, something. It would really, really, really be something. But you know, you know, Corabetti, you know, against maybe uh, Lucy Sam. And there's some enticing matchups there. But yeah. I think it's going to be. We know it's going to be one up front and again not having the heft of probably talking about 280 kilos of Will Skelton mm. and Taniela Topo and I know it's not just about size but you know they're, they're seriously difficult boys to stop when they mm. when they get on the on, on the bounce so I think if the Welsh tackers would be glad to, to not be mm. face up against them so yeah, yeah. A, I would say mild it's sort of low level Low, 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 low level confidence rather than <laughs> we're going to be the one of that. And how well, I can throw it back at you, you boys. What is there? Is there confidence you can skip the well? Uh, I don't know that confidence is the word. I think we're, we're almost back to where, where we were going into the tournament. It's in that it was hard to have confidence when you're going in having not won a game. And you know, yes, there was the expectation that they should beat Georgia, but. There were so many reasons why they just weren't playing well enough, and you couldn't really rule out anything. So now it's it's a really it's a really funny feeling. And Harry, you throw desperation into the mix, and is is it enough? I, I don't I don't know. It's a really weird feeling that I'm I'm in at the moment. Anyway, so confidence is a little bit like pain measures, right? It's so personal. Some con- some teams are disproportionately confident. The Wallabies were the most confident. 0-4 team I've ever seen on the planet. Um, <laughs> they came, and then at 0-5, they were still confident. Uh, beating Georgia, they were suddenly, oh, now we've got it. The problem with the Georgia win was Georgia scored two tries. When you look at Ireland and South Africa playing Romania and um, Namibia or, or, or uh, Uruguay or somewhere, they don't want to have any tries scored against them. And they, they could be on 79 minutes, and you'll see a Springbok track back and kill himself to avoid any score on a score sheet. So I always worried about Australia against Fiji because I knew that if Georgia could score two tries, what could Fiji do? So I think Australia will come in strangely, irrationally confident again. Um, but I don't think it's based on the fundamentals that win rugby matches against guys like Dan Bigger and Liam Williams because of this. Wales is really good at soaking up pressure. The Wallabies seem to be unable to develop pressure on their own ball because they reject uh, proper kicking, which does does generate quick ball on the seven or eight that you regather, and they have not been able to resource the rock for years. They get mm. penalized 18 times against Fiji, which I think is a record since 1995. Uh, so the primary problems for the Wallabies, Brett and I, Brett, you and I have been watching this for a long time together, is penalties and uh, ball protection. And if you don't get players one and two to rock two and three, and it's the same players attending rocks. By the fourth mm. or fifth ruck, it's going to be Rafael and Morgan easy pickings. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not only that, Wales is not that bad on the counter. So if they can spread it wide, they've got Zamet, uh, you know, yes. Ron, Ron, Christian Daly Ronaldo. He's a big yeah. Man United fan. I know that, which I don't <laughs> like at all as a big Liverpool <laughs> fan. But I think he was doing an homage to Cristiano and he got, he got the bird from a lot of Portuguese fans who thought they were taking the mick. No question at all. It's just a, that's a, that's a good example of youth as well, though. I like, and yeah. so I just think yeah. Australia until they can protect ball uh, post 
phase three or four, I just don't see how they do it. They're going to have to revert to a kicking game, but it, it's not just long kicks from Ben Donaldson. It has to be short kicks, over-the-top kicks, a kick over the rock when no one expects it. Otherwise, I think Wales can fully handle you know, that phase attack. And so that's mm. my problem is it's confidence, but why? Where? Where is the confidence from? <laughs> I've, I've, just, I've just written down strangely irrationally confident, by the way, now as well. <laughs> I mean, Andy keeps saying, great. we're fine. I'm like, but why are we fine? How yeah, is it? you're <laughs> one from seven. Yeah, look, it's, it's, a, it's a good but, question. But, but I guess, guys, it's just they are going home if they lose that game. And that's why I say and, the desperation stakes why, make it really interesting. Yeah. 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 And now Wales, again, I think everyone's forgotten that Georgia beat Wales at the Principality in November. So, uh, God, as they said, even if uh, Wales get a losing bonus, you know, it's, 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 I can, I don't know if any of us can see it being more than a one score game. I can't see no. the Wallabies running away with a 25 point win or indeed Wales. Running yeah. away with a with a with a with a with a, with a big and, win. So and so on that a lot a lot of the commentary um, on in social and, and online around around the Wallabies at the moment is not around can they get a bonus point win, but it's very much can they stop Wales getting a losing bonus point. So it's 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 that thought. Never mind, never mind four tries. It needs to be eight points or more. And it doesn't even matter if it's nine, <laughs> but it's just as long as it's not seven or six. If there, if there was ever a match that is predestined to end in a draw, uh, this is it. <laughs> yes, this is it. Yeah, well, that is not a crazy suggestion. Harry. No, that is not a and, crazy suggestion. And here's where I will absolutely admit that I don't know how that would play out in terms of the head, <laughs> head on, on the table. I don't know. Wallabies don't want to draw. No, that's, that's probably true. That's probably true. That's, uh, well, my, my GCSE maths would um, suggest that. <laughs> they don't want to draw, boys. Are you, are you seeing any surprises in the way that, the, that, that Australia are trying to play? Oh, are, there, are you seeing glimpses out of Eddie Jones' Australia that you saw out of Eddie Jones' England for the previous seven years, for example? That's a good question. Uh, I didn't uh, I think I was on, on the move when they played Georgia, but against Fiji, I'm afraid it was just coughing up lots of balls, giving away yeah. penalties, you know, building decent field position and then blow, blowing it, maybe trying to play too much rugby as a desperation crept in, you know, what's the rhythm in the, in, in the rugby championship, you know, they showed a lot of heart after getting pumped by New Zealand, they just look like a work of progress, guys. They they really, really do. And again, I don't know all the I don't don't, don't know if Quaid's returning Eddie's calls yet, but to drop him and Hooper, I don't know what his fitness is like, but some of those those real kind of go to men and, and and those guys would have been very much want to go out with their last hurrah, wouldn't they? It's, it's so he hasn't kind of built up friendships there. He is as Eddie does, he's gone in with a with a load of grenades and dynamite and and chucked it up in the air and thought, where's this, where's this all going to land? And and, 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 you know, and then he just put kind of bobs and weaves around the, the ring, kind of verbally, doesn't he? And says, you know, hey, we, we can't wait for Wales. We're playing tomorrow. Just get the TV cameras there like he's, um, you know, yeah. Muhammad Ali and Rumble in the Jungle. So you're thinking, hey, you know, we, we, we'll miss yeah. Eddie when he, when he goes. Believe me, the, 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 the press will miss him when he's gone. Yeah, there's no doubt. Sorry, Harry. No, I think people said he was the, acting as a shield for his players, Eddie Jones. But for me, he, he puts the shield on top of his players and he walks on top of it and squashes them. Because if you take a guy like Quay Cooper, who came in all the way back from an Achilles, all those other players yeah. that look up to him and they knew how hard he worked and they could see his humble spirit, he was a new Quay Cooper. I don't know if that really makes – if I'm Andrew Kellaway right about now, I go, oh, yeah, so maybe I should have expected to be dropped unceremoniously like it just doesn't seem like it's it's capricious and i think that that caprice is what i would worry about if i was a player you know if you want to go that extra two percent i know dan bigger's got that extra two percent i know that uh liam williams will run through uh you know windows to try and win i don't know i'm just not seeing it i'm not seeing that eddie has built enough um you know follow me into the gates of hell yeah yeah Dan Bigger, Dan Bigger comes up there, and you mentioned him earlier, Owen. Um, is is the concern and is the Achilles heel and is it the opportunity for Australia? Is that once Bigger does go off, as you mentioned before, there is that general lost about the Welsh team. Is 
is that the biggest concern for Wales? Yeah, I think so. Now, I personally think if Dan Bigger is still okay, he'll play the full 18 minutes. He's been having a few issues with back spasms, which is yeah. why he came off against Fiji. He's, he's going to be 34 kind of next month. He's played a lot of rugby, but my God, there's there's few braver men than... And again, mm. it's him, him you know, Owen Farrell and Johnny Sexton are almost the same. But they all I think they all get on well um, away. They are just proper, you know, bat- battlers out there. So, I, I, and I think the the so then the uh, the decision for um, Warren Gatland is whether to bring Gareth Anscombe on to match, and he looked rusty. He hadn't played since April. Mm. Didn't quite, you know, look. He's a classy, classy player, but Sam Costello, I think, is maybe four caps in, twenty three. He's the kind of the future, but maybe like a Cargon is not for. Now, so I think you'll probably be pragmatic and think if Bigger went off for any reason, we need Gareth Anscombe, who I think was good enough that he kept Bowden Barrett out of the kind of uh, New Zealand under 19s or 21s true uh, World Cup yeah, squad true. And, and he actually replaced Bigger for the 2019 Grand Slam game. He's had horrendous injuries since, but I think that will be again. We've discussed that Gatland is a pragmatist, really at heart, isn't he? He's yeah. going to play, play, play the kind of percentages. Rather than going to go in too gung ho, the squad announcement would come out and we could all look very silly. But I yeah. you'd expect, him, <laughs> you'd yeah. expect him, I think he might just think that Gareth Hansen will be able to close out a game and, yeah. and more effectively than someone who's nine years his junior in, in a World Cup do or die kind of game. What we do know about Dan Bigger, Owen, is that he's, um, he's, his feedback for teammates is working well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his mouth I, is fine. Yeah, it's funny enough. I saw. I mean, he gave. You may have obviously he gave uh, Rio Dyer a, a, a few harsh words on pitch because he think he chucked him a ball in the middle of nowhere and he missed it. And obviously George North, you know George North, about fifteen kgs bigger, and he, you know he's a big man, George, <laughs> but he's a very kind of placid, gent, 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 gentle guy. Yeah. But I think if you've been around. Uh, Dan Bigger in camp for long enough, you won't take it to heart. He's that no, he is. No. I've interviewed him since he was 18 years of age. He's the loveliest, loveliest man you can find off the pitch, but inside the white lines, yeah, he's 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 a hell of a boy. <laughs> who's who's the most who's the most popular Welsh player in Wales? Well, it's, I'd say I mean again, you you you've put me on the spot there, but he's actually probably not playing. The sheriff Ken Owens, I think, is largely uh, loved. He was the guy who was kind of going up and kind of speaking to the bosses about kind of uh, the kind of little bit of a brouhaha, shall we say, politely that was happening in Wales. Yeah, the sheriff has got a back injury. I think he could even be, if they had um, issues at Hooker and they move on, he could be come back in. But everyone loves loves the sheriff. He's he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. But um, yeah, but a bit, bit bigger will be a big, big, big loss. Yeah, yeah, and mm. and the and there is the factor, of course, that you know he's he's announced his intentions to 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 retire from international rugby after this. So there's the whole playing for for Dan Angle about it all now, yeah. which makes this weekend all the more fascinating. Oh, and it's been fantastic to speak to you as as always. We wanted to get the proper Welsh insight and everything this week going into this crew. This game was always going to be important, but suddenly now it is. It is so important now for both teams. So it's just been great to talk to you again. We, uh, we thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Let's let's all we'll start feeling sick by the hour, won't we? Really, we can, <laughs> yes. laugh, we can laugh and joke now, but by by the time game game time's on and in the seventy seventh minute, we'll all be. Feeling fairly nauseous, I would, I'd, I'd expect. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. related. Let's see. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a message with three minutes to go, asking you how you're feeling. Yeah, let's, let's see how the score is. <laughs> Good night, right. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Cheers. Boys. Look after yourselves, lads. Bye bye. The roar. Harry, just fantastic to have uh, Owen Jones back on on the pod. Um, great chat as as it was always going to be, and really interesting to hear that. Um, there's a little bit of concern on the Welsh side of this contest as well. As it should be. Wayne is such a good, uh, knowledgeable guy. He knows that the matchups are everything now when you get into the business end. You know, so uh, France versus South Africa is very different from Ireland versus France or New Zealand versus mm. Box versus, you know. So I think Wales, Australia has always been a problem for Wales. Yeah. It's just the way it is. And I, to me, it's like the, the unorthodoxy of the Wallabies really troubles Wales because um, Wales almost relies on their opponents playing 
properly. So when Wales played uh, France in the Millennium, when I was there, I think it was 13-9. And, and yeah. the French struggled because the French kept doing things they're supposed to do. They exited properly. But what if, what if the Wallabies decide to just exit you know, the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Take the wrong that's exit. A, that's <laughs> a great question. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, like, yeah. what are you doing? Running yeah. running from behind your post. So, I mean, the, the French don't really do that. I know we, we pick on the uh, the exceptions, but the French really play pretty percentage rugby nowadays. Mm. So I think um, there's that. And I think also you could beat up Dan Bigger legally. I'll point out legally, everyone. But you could just have people smashing into him all day yes. long. And, then, and uh, the Wallabies you know, have done that. Yeah before yeah. they have done that so it's it's a legitimate thing i i wrote on i wrote on tuesday that wallabies just got to try and find a structure but they've got to try and find a structure to outstructure wales of all teams which is going to be hard but we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes here's a little tip i'm not going to go through the um all the scores on the weekend we all we all know how that all played out but here's a little tidbit for you fiji beating australia 22 15 as they did is the first game of 16 played so far where team two has beaten team one on the draw. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what that means, but I find that kind of thing kind of curious. So we'll see how that plays out because Australia are team two this week. So let's hope that that's repeated. <laughs> there is some interesting games, though, um, in coming into week three. Um, you know, kicking off on Thursday night, Italy... Uruguay could be anything. Um, you know, even Argentina, Samoa on Saturday could be great. Georgia, Portugal could be great. Uh, you know, obviously, South Africa, Ireland uh, on, on Sunday is going to be brilliant. Um, and, and we'll have one of our post-match Twitter chats after that because it'd be mad not to. But then Tonga play – sorry, Scotland play Tonga and then Wales, Australia to finish the weekend. There is some – I'm glad I banked some sleep last weekend because there is some brilliant rugby coming up this third weekend. So last weekend was all about mismatches and how you watch, how you ma- how you measure a mismatch. And there's actually some interest in there. You know, like uh, the top teams do actually look at that as a, as a way of, you know, who's going to be in the squad for the big matches. And so some players are playing their way in. This weekend is a reversion back to the um, really tasty matchups, uh, yeah. just like the tournament started with. And I think... Just like where the French needed to win the first match more than the All Blacks did, um, Ireland needs to win this more than the box do. Uh, it, you get the feeling that, that Farrell knows that about his team, that um, going wire to wire, being number one and being unbeaten for so long, that a loss would affect Ireland more than a team like the box who uh, are led by you know, highly maverick individuals yeah. who can always find a way to tell their players it's okay. And then you have like Pollard coming back for the knockouts. I think Ireland has been starting their top team week after week, except for Jameson Gibson Park, the most irreplaceable. And so they kind of have to win. And so mm. that's an interesting matchup. Uh, I'll be there, obviously. And I think Argentina Samoa, as you say, is, I think Samoa should be considered favorites for that. You look at the game yeah. line percentage in the tournament, Samoa is up in the top group with uh, Ireland and the South Africans. Um, you look at uh, the one stat that wor- worries me about the All Blacks, actually, by the way, I think you, you posed that question to Owain, is, is what happened to the All Blacks. They are not finishing their line breaks. Uh, you look at yeah. every other stat, they look okay, but when they get an open space, that that you know dreaded All Black moments, they're not really finishing. So, mm. um, and that's where I think, you know, you could look at the Welsh and the Aussies and say, who's going to finish their breaks better? Who's going to execute on those little moments when it matters. And I think that's what I'm, I'm going to be looking for uh, in Lyon this weekend is yeah. when, when you get those five or six opportunities, uh, it, it, you know, as much as you bag these young guys and say maybe they shouldn't have been picked to be, they could still step up. You know, Ben mm-hmm. Donaldson could write his own story. Uh, Carter Gordon could change history by being that guy. So, yeah, it's, it's all to play for. It's going to be a magic weekend. Yeah. I don't know who planned this or how it all came, happenstance, uh, accident, but it's really setting up as a hell of a weekend. And yeah. I should also drop at this point that we'll be in Lyon. Jet Park's uh, on the I was, I was going. I was going to say this. Yeah. It's going to be a big weekend in Lyon, isn't it? Tell us about this, yeah. this event on Sunday. There is a place on the river. There's two rivers in, in, uh, in Lyon, the Saône and the Rhône. The Rhône is the most famous. And we're going to be right there on the, uh, the Grand Hotel du Complex, 
right there in the heart near Republic. Plenty of parking, plenty of tramming, uh, training and buses. Uh, we're going to be at a place called Kabastan with Shawnee Maloney, one of the friends of the pod. Uh, Morgan's going to be out there. Tornui, uh, Jeff Parks and I, and we're going to have some raffles, some trivia contests, some beers, some hummus, some uh, good times and some, you know, good old wallabies um, uh, coming by as well from the, from the past, not, not from right now. And uh, <laughs> starting at two o'clock, we're going to have a little game uh, prep. I mean, because the game's at 9 p.m., by the way. Yes. So you have a long time. You might need to have some Asahi beer and, uh, and have some fun. We're, gonna, we're just going to tee it up. Look, it's do or die. It's time to just, um, you know, believe in miracles and fun and, uh, and have a good time. And I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of the roarers and other wallabies in town. Mm, yeah, and I've been hearing on multiple pods um, in recent days and articles and all that that Leon is just a flood of gold right now. It's it's like all the Australians are landed there, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be a great event on, on Sunday. I, I hope it all goes very well for you. I fear for the state that you'll be in for the instant reaction after that game, but anyway, we'll deal with that at the time. You got to push. You got to you got to push through. It's the championship minutes. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed, mate. Uh, a little bit of news uh, over the last seven days. Obviously, uh, Malcolm Marks was ruled out of the the Rugby World Cup on Thursday last week after he pulled up lame at training. Turns out to be likely an ACL uh, tear. It wasn't actually reported or confirmed as such, but he's gone home with a serious knee injury. So that seems like that's that's that. Scotland have replaced injured hooker Dave Cherry with Stuart McAnally in their squad. Um, Cherry suffered a concussion after a pretty nasty accident in his hotel, by the sounds of it, slipped on stairs and and uh, and, and and had a, a head injury. Um, so he was ruled out of several games to play. So McAnally, who captained Scotland at the 2019 World Cup, um, is is back. Um, the Namibian centre, LaRue Milan, uh, underwent surgery early in the week. He had that really, really bar- bad fracture and dislocation of his ankle during uh, their 71-3 loss against New Zealand and in Toulouse. And it was actually really cool to see uh, that the New Zealanders signed uh, the, the number 12 jersey for him. And I even saw on the socials uh, Anton Leonard Brown and a couple of the other All Blacks went and saw him in hospital after he'd had his surgery. So that's very nice. That's yeah. just nice. That's you like seeing that sort of thing. Uh, Will Skelton and Taniela Tupo, as as we mentioned with with Owen there, Eddie Jones post match after Fiji said that they won't play against Wales, and so that probably means they're fine and they'll be named. But we'll find that out later in the week. Uh, <laughs> England, <laughs> England flanker Tom Curry uh, got the standard six weeks down to three weeks minus one for his high tackle in the first week again. Um, and I think, mate, that is about it. Sam Whitelock became the the most capped, or drew level with Richie McCaw as the, the most capped All Black uh, in New Zealand's win over, over Namibia as well. And I should mention that um, a try just before halftime against Tyra was enough for Johnny Sexton to go past Ronan Agara as Ireland's top, uh, top point scorer as, as well. So um, that is... About that, I think, mate, just uh, a reminder that, um, you know, the Raw has absolutely got you covered for, for Rugby World Cup coverage as much as you can handle or not. The, we've obviously doing doing our thing uh, on the podcast during the week, um, and Harry and I will be here each week having the great conversations that we are with, with more and more wonderful guests um, as we carry on. And we will keep going on Wednesdays uh, for the next little bit while the, the Wallabies pool games are on Monday morning, Australia time. Um, instant Reactions for every Wallabies game and every knockout game all the way through the final. And you've all, I'm sure, heard Christy Doran and, and Tony Harper reporting in from France uh, leading into each match weekend as well. So just check out the Raw and, and the socials to see when they pop up next. Um, but, mate, I think that is us done for episode 80 of the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. Uh, don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials, and that includes Instagram and threads now. Um, another bunch of ratings and reviews please do leave one if you can if your pod platform allows it we thank thank you all for for seeing them in and do like follow subscribe and make sure that you get every new episode from us and from everyone involved with the raw rugby podcast as soon as it goes live but it is the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate home of all your favorite international rugby analysis opinions and conversations. Uh, it is all thanks to ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear partner of the Wallabies. Thanks very much for your listening. We're back in your ears 
in the early hours of Monday morning Australian time again with an instant reaction to the Wallabies' crucial third match of Rugby World Cup 2023 when they take on Wales in Lyon. Play with us in the ruins with no Wi-Fi.